Tuesday, October 26th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. With me today, back in the saddle, it's Jason Moser. Good to see you. Good to see you. Good to see you. We've got an eye on the holidays with two companies that are reporting today, but we're going to start with actual results from the social network. Facebook's third quarter profits came in higher than expected, but revenue was a little light. And revenue guidance for the fourth quarter was lower than Wall Street was hoping for. Shares of Facebook down nearly 4% today. Yeah, a little bit of a one-two punch there, I'd say, on the 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 results. I mean, they were mixed, but then I think also the guidance uh, going forward. And clearly, there, there are going to be some headwinds that uh, Facebook and, and other ad-based uh, models are, are going to have to deal with. But I, I think... You know, it's so fascinating to me the tug of war between like the media narrative, the public perception of this business, and then how the market views it. I mean, it's a really good lesson I think for investors to keep in mind because, I mean, you look at the company and its leadership; they just continue to get raked over the coals, and I think that's right. I mean, there there are good reasons for that happening, but for the most part, I mean, you look at the five-year chart for Facebook shares. I mean, this has been a strong investment over the last several years, and. It's it's hard to imagine that five years from now, investors aren't making money from today's share price. Now, obviously, there are things that could happen, but I think it really does goes it goes to the the size of the network that Facebook has built out today, uh, being being so important, very very difficult to disrupt. And when you when you say size, I mean we're talking about daily uh, users at 1.93 billion, up six percent. Monthly actives 2.91 billion, up six percent. Uh, the, the performance. I mean, this is a company still growing revenue at pretty rapid clips. I mean, uh, revenue is up 34% for the quarter, excluding currency effects. And, and so, all things considered, I mean, I think it was a respectable quarter. I think they painted uh, a fair picture of some challenging, uh, challenging times ahead. And that's probably what has uh, the market sort of on the fence today, maybe. Yeah, but to your point, uh, you hear the comments from the actual customers of Facebook, the businesses, small and large, who use that platform to market their products and services. And they're the ones who are making this engine go. And they're satisfied with the results that they are getting. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 that goes to the size of, of the platform, right? The size of these networks. I mean, it, it, it's just instant reach. I mean, regardless uh, how you feel uh, about leadership or just the, the general privacy issues and whatnot, I mean, Facebook and, and, and Zuckerberg, they have built something something really meaningful, very powerful. And, and I don't see that changing. Uh, now, it could be modified, it could be regulated, but I mean, the interesting th- thing in regard to, to regulatory concerns, I mean, I, I think one of the advantages that Facebook has is that even though we could be certain there's some type of, of regulatory implications that will come from all of this, we don't really know what that's going to be because I don't think regulators have really any clue as to how to tackle <laughs> tackle this problem. I mean, it's a difficult one, but but you can see time and time again when when he testifies in front of Congress. I mean, even even our leaders they don't they don't fully understand the business and what it does, right? I mean, they, they're the parlance. I mean, you just you can see they don't fully grasp it. So it it feels like we <laughs> could probably benefit from some younger oversight to to make it a little bit easier to understand. But I mean, yeah, when you look at their priorities going forward, the focusing on creators, on commerce, and then I think inter- interestingly the third the third priority building the next computing platform and that's where we're seeing that breakout of the Facebook Reality Labs. Uh, the whole idea of the metaverse continues to be kicked around and they and they definitely see that as being a big part of this business going forward. Um, and if 
you recall, I, I had uh, I had mentioned uh, a while back uh, that that while the metaverse it's, it could be difficult to grasp, I think for for many. I mean, ultimately it was it was given to me uh, by the CEO of of. Uh, uh, the Glimpse Group, who I interviewed recently, and he, and he said that you know the metaverse is just the 3D internet, and so that was a good way to sort of embrace the idea from a big picture uh, perspective. Now, how that plays out, who knows? But it, it ultimately feels like it's going to be participatory. Like if you don't want to be a part of the metaverse, you don't have to be, but there's going to be a lot of people that want to be. So then that I think is going to dictate the market opportunity uh, in re- in regard to that. So that's potential growth. That's potential. Uh, uh, pivoting of this business model to something to something new and forward-looking. The flip side of that coin is there are a lot of companies out there right now really embracing this concept of the metaverse, and so I, th- I think Facebook will be a player in that space. But I don't necessarily see them as being the the trailblazer in in that space. Maybe they'll participate in it, but I don't see them being necessarily the trailblazer. However, it shakes out. Uh, but I mean, listen, this is such a big company, such a big network, vast, virtually limitless financial resources. Whether you love it or hate it, I mean, it's just it's very difficult to make a case against it as an investment, uh, given what we know. UPS shipped fewer items in the third quarter compared to a year ago, but revenue was up nine percent. And shares of UPS are rising today and hitting a new all-time high. I don't want to read too much into this, uh, so you tell me, are there any takeaways for the holiday season? Uh, Because global supply chain is a huge theme this year, this earnings season. Do, do, Do you get any clues from UPS about how they're feeling about handling capacity over the next few months? Yeah, it feels like I think so. The headline, the headline on the Wall Street Journal today, I think, said it all. It said UPS revenue rises as it ships fewer packages. I mean, that's the dream, right? That's the kind of headline you want to see, right? We're doing less work and we're making more money. Uh, I mean, that is is that that speaks to the strategy though that they consciously uh, have have. Uh, Pivoted to they they are they are focusing on not necessarily volume but working more with their most valuable customers and they see uh, certainly the the return to in person shopping has impacted uh, volume uh, probably we'll see uh, you know an impact in in regard to the holiday season as well just just through the supply chain issues um, but it, it feels like they are less and less dependent on that which is obviously a very good thing. Uh, I mean, the business itself really very impressive. I mean, revenue grew 9.2% from last year. Operating profit on an adjusted basis was up 23.4%. They're actually realizing some pretty strong pricing power. So they're re upping with their most valuable clients and they're realizing strong pricing with those clients. So it seems like the strategy is working out very well. Uh, the domestic business, very strong 12% increase in revenue per piece. International revenue was up 15.5%. Uh, the logistics business doing very well. And so all things put together, you can see why over the last five years the stock is up 135%. For a sleeper like UPS, that a lot of people probably view as just a, your staid, boring business, it's been a tremendous investment, and it really kind of feels like they're they're poised to keep that performance up. I mean, in defense of people who look at UPS and think it's a staid, boring business, the the trucks and the uniforms don't help in that regard. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm not knocking them. I, you yeah. know, you could you could look at that and say, hey, they're not spending frivolous dollars trying to make their trucks look jazzy and 
sprucing up their uniforms every year with some new design. They're just like, no, nah, Brown's good for us. It's phenomenal brand equity, isn't it? I mean, it's just so identifiable, and you always recognize it immediately. It's, it's really powerful. Hasbro's third quarter profits and revenue came in higher than expected. The company also warned that supply chain issues would hit holiday sales, but shares of Hasbro still up 3% so far today. Yeah, I think this this is a far more interesting report, not really because of what they delivered for the quarter, but what they see coming this quarter and the next several quarters to come. And if, if you remember last quarter, they they had mentioned costs and they used ocean freight costs as an, as an example of, of of cost pressure they were they were witnessing. Uh, they they were predicting that those those ocean freight costs are going to be more than four times higher uh, this year versus last, and so they are dealing with. Uh, a, a difficult environment on a number of fronts. Uh, they are passing through price increases that should be fully realized this holiday quarter. That's good. Um, I, you know, I think given the the this is this is a good business, but it's a difficult one for investors just to own, right? It's been a tricky one for investors to just own over the last five years. The stock is up only around twenty five percent, and I think the the lumpy performance comes from just challenges in becoming more digital and becoming more of an entertainment company, which they are doing, but when your core competency for so long has been delivering these physical toys, they're just making a lot of investments really to become an entertainment company more. Uh, and, and, and so, I think that plays out a little bit in the financials. It's going to be interesting to see if they can hit their targets. They are targeting uh, that revenue growth of 13 to 16% for the year. Uh, they are also noting that they they are having some trouble fulfilling orders. I mean, there were $100 million worth of unfulfilled orders over this past quarter because they couldn't get the product from point A to point B. It's certainly not, not unique to them, but it speaks to the challenges, I think, that Hasbro is facing. Where do you look at the toy industry right now in terms of Hasbro versus Mattel? Obviously, there are other companies at play here, but it, it really seems like... You know, Hasbro, in the same way that there was a good stretch of time where Home Depot could not get out of its own way, and then they righted the ship. And lately, you know, Home Depot is still doing pretty well, but Lowe's has kind of been the better performer the last couple of years. Um, where do you look at Hasbro and Mattel? Um, yeah, that's that's a that's an interesting question to think about. I mean, I've always been. A Hasbro guy, right? I mean, I've always felt like Hasbro was the better, the better run company. They, I think, sealed some some far more lucrative uh, partnerships and, and relationships that, that Mattel wasn't able to to get a hold of. And you, you pay a lot of money up front maybe to get that stuff, but it, it plays out over over time uh, as as very beneficial. And so I. I feel like Hasbro is still going to be the company to beat. I mean, Mattel has has really come from a dark place. I mean, they, they went through some very challenging times, and, and, and it's nice to see that business doing better. But to me, you know, the big wild card for Hasbro right now, it's, it's, it's obviously, it's unfortunate we saw CEO Brian Goldner recently pass away. And, and he was, I think, a, a, a real key to, to the business's success through the years. He just ran the company very well. So, it's, it's going to be crucial that they get 
uh, someone in that CEO spot who really is going to be able to embrace this vision of digital and entertainment uh, going forward to be able to realize the most out of this business. It feels like they're headed in the right direction. Uh, and so maybe that's something to pay attention to really is if new leadership just gets in there and just kind of blows everything up, that, that could be concerning because it feels like Hasbro's set up to succeed. Uh, so, so yeah, I'd, I'd give the leg up to Hasbro there, but, but certainly nice to see Mattel uh, still fighting. Halloween candy. We're just a few days away. Um, I've resisted the urge uh, several <laughs> times over the past week. When I've had the opportunity to buy Halloween candy, I've resisted the urge. But at some point, I'm just going to, I don't know, go to Giant or CVS you're, and just, you're a and just man than I. <laughs> with a fistful of money and just throw it down and say, take it. I need all of this. Where, where are you with overrated and underrated candies? Oh man! So I, I was I was giving this some thought, and I I, I will say, and I I don't know how I don't know how uh, controversial this opinion would be. I, I it feels like it shouldn't be, but I really every time I see those big bags with all the different candies in them, and I see these things like chock full of Twizzlers. I mean, to me, Twizzlers are just vastly overrated. I mean, you may as well just eat a candle, Chris. It's just not. I don't get it. I just don't get it. So maybe it's just cheap filler to throw in those bags. I'm not not a Twizzlers guy. I think they're way overrated. Not even at the movies? You were never... Because to, to me, Twizzler... Yeah. I went through a stretch of time when I was younger. That was my go-to candy at the movies. Maybe. I mean, I, I personally never. Now, I mean, tastes change as we get older, right? I mean, we all know that. And, and so, it's possible when I was younger, I was giving Twizzlers a little bit more attention just because I was a, a candy-hungry kid. But... Uh, I don't know. When I'm at the movie theater, I'm, I'm more of a popcorn guy. You know, I like that. I like that salty snack to go with the sweet soda. And man, now I'm now I'm hungry. But uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. To me, Twizzlers. I, I, you know, I just don't. I don't. I, I just throw them all away. I don't want them. Underrated. So I don't think I. I you you can't sleep on those little heath, those little Heath bars. I feel like that's a candy that doesn't get talked about a lot. But it's it's very simple, right? It's that toffee covered in chocolate. And, and here's the thing, too. So, e even if you don't want to just eat a little Heath Bar, they go very well crushed up on top of ice cream, too. Yes. And so, you're getting a twofer there, really. If you, if you, wanna, if you want to enhance your dessert, y you have that option. But either way, I mean, they're great on their own, and they're complementary to, to other, other forms of dessert. <laughs> now, depending on their condition, you might need to take a hammer to them to actually <laughs> yeah. crush them up. But yeah. yes, sprinkle that over some ice cream. You got a winner. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Jason Moser, thanks for being here. Thank you. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against, so don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.